that was just absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So Azalea's team, Azalea's team. So the youngest team member, I think, is 21, and our eldest is 86, and we have many who are in between. So one of our beliefs is that everyone has an Azalea hole in their heart, and everyone has a call. And only God can navigate what that means. And that's exciting, isn't it? Only God knows what that means. So I would love to introduce you to Tash. Hi. Hi. And Tash is involved in Azalea. She's one of our frontline volunteers. And I'm just going to ask Tash some questions. Okay. Tash, how did you get involved in Azalea? So I don't know how many years it was, but um, initially it was a cake ministry. So I had young children and I wasn't able to be a frontline volunteer at the time. So for quite a few years, I baked cakes at home and uh, it was lovely. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know where they were going. Um, I didn't know how the women would like it. But having been a frontline volunteer now, I know how precious precious it was. They adore their cakes. (laughs) Yes, Yes. cakes are really important. Cakes are really important um, because they're homemade and because they connect with the truth that you matter and somebody who doesn't know you is praying for you and has made you a grift. That is the message of the cake, which is incredible, isn't it? And they all get their own birthday cake as well. Yes, they do. Many of the women have never, most of the women have never had a birthday cake before they come to Azalea. And we go mad about birthdays. It's quite (laughs) quite crazy. So, Tash, what do you do today in Azalea? Uh, So I'm a frontline volunteer on a Monday drop-in. And I also run a pottery group on a Tuesday. So that's what I do. Can you tell us about the pottery group? Oh, yeah. Um, the Pottery Group is a fairly new venture. We've probably had about six sessions so far, and um, it's just beautiful. They're, the women come, and they, they all have their own tables at the moment, obviously, because it's still very COVID-safe, so they're each very socially distanced, etc. Um, but it's a really intimate time. Uh, it's a very organic um, personal process at the moment I do intend to bring in a bit more um, biblical teaching as the weeks go on Um, because as we know if if you've been a Christian a long long while uh, then you'll know that pottery is often referenced in the Bible as God is the potter and we are the clay and it's a really beautiful analogy for for learning about who God is and um, yeah the women just have such beautiful intimate um, moments of peace when they're, when they're building their, their pottery, and certainly on the wheel, yeah. something that I have noticed is that when teaching pottery, if you've ever done it before, had the privilege of doing it before, um, there is something that you do to centre the clay. So um, you'll smash a lump of clay in the middle of a wheel, and then you place your hands onto the clay with water, and you have to press into it to make it kind of like stay in the middle, so that you can make a symmetrical pot. And um, it's really difficult initially, if you've never done it before, not to allow the clay to kind of overtake you. It's quite chaotic. You have to be really steady with your hands and have a really steady, peaceful frame. Otherwise, it kind of, you kind of run away with it or you, you shake around as you try to centre it. And just saying to the women, just be still. You know, don't, don't press into it too hard. 
be light and just watching them kind of have that peace and listen and mm. and just learn that steadiness it's just so beautiful when they when they have such chaotic experiences in their life watching them just be so still and so con- contemplative and then come away with something that they've made and just be so excited <laughs> you know i asked um one of the women at pottery because when Ruth asked me to speak today, she said, Tash, can you come and tell us a bit more about what God is doing through pottery? And I thought, well, better ask the women. <laughs> What's God doing through pottery? And she said to me, um, well, it takes all my stress away. It takes all my stress away, and I make something new. I make something new. Like, we are made in the image of God, of a beautiful creator and then they can make something new and have the opportunity to come away with something that they have made and it is just beautiful you know they I can't I can't describe to you the pleasure that they have in just being able to say I've made this I've made this and it's mine and now I'm going to go and use it you know the the pride that they have in that yeah thank you Thank you so much. It's brilliant to know that many, many people create Azalea and it's wonderful to see transform lives. It really is. Thank you. Great. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for the invitation to be here today. I'm so grateful to God. I absolutely love people. I'm a massive extrovert and it's so lovely to be in church with you and online and what I know with all my heart is I don't know all what God is doing through COVID but I know he's creating something good out of, out of quite a lot of pain and that is the character of God. So I, as I, I shared, I love people. I had um a dream um, very recently I had a dream that I had to go on a speed awareness course now for some of you that might be upsetting but for me I woke up I was so happy because I'd be able to meet all these new people I particularly love meeting new people and I just thought it'd be incredible to meet all these new people and get to know other people And then I realised I wasn't going on a speed awareness course and that I wouldn't be meeting all these new people. But I'm here today, so that's really good, isn't it? So I'm just going to pray and then we're going to read an incredible passage from the Bible. Okay. Lord, I thank you that today you could not love us any more than you do. I thank you there is nothing that any of us can do to stop you loving us, Lord. And there is nothing that we can do to separate us from your love. I thank you that your ability to love us will never change. And I thank you that because of the power of the Holy Spirit, that you show us how we can receive that love, how we can be temples of your Holy Spirit, and how we can change from the inside out. I thank you that you designed us to be worshippers. You designed us to know the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I thank you, dear Lord, that we don't know what that means. And I thank you that our life 
is in your hands. And living God, I pray for the capacity to weep with you and the capacity to have joy where you have joy, Lord. Show us, Lord, show us how to walk in the ways of God. Holy Spirit, come and and reveal to us what it means to be loved by God and the path that you have for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, um, Becky's going to read from from Galatians. That was was my own... I'm reading Galatians at home just now, my own personal devotions. It's an absolutely incredible book. But actually, it's not Galatians. It's Genesis 1, verse 1 to 5. From the NIV version, and it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Thank you so much. That is one of my favourite passages in the Bible because it equates to the fact we don't have a clue what we're doing and it equates to the truth that God is a God of order and it's one step at a time and he will lead us and he will create out of nothing. And for me, that sums up covid Um, I've been involved in this kind of work for about 32 years. I'm married. I've got three children. My youngest is in Australia um, with YWAM, and we haven't seen him for about 15 months. I'm sure many of you can identify with that. Within, Within the truths that God is with us, COVID has hit us hard in many ways, Uh, 40% of the people that I pray for for 21 years have died, um, including my father. Within all that, I know that God is with me and I know that my life will never get any better than that. And sometimes we, we have opportunities in our life to grow in worship and that is one of the privileges that COVID has brought for me. It has ushered in that new season and to know that I can fear no evil because God is with us and God is with us. And it's just so precious, isn't it, to be able to tell God exactly how we feel, exactly how we think, and to remind him that we know who he is, that he is good and that he is kind and when he will never love us any more than how he loves us today. And that is incredible, isn't it? It's absolutely incredible how his spirit moves in our lives. So I'm going to rewind to the 28th of March 2020. I had an email from the Home Office saying that you need to prepare for a palliative care style. Uh, You need to go out of building as a project, as Azalea. And... I had a, a, a very strong itinerary booked for 2020. I'd just been to the UN speaking about a holistic approach to sex trafficking warrants. I knew exactly what my diary was going to be like. And then COVID interrupted it all. 
And as I said before, when Becky was interviewing me, values eat strategy for breakfast. They really do. They really do. And where do we go to for support? Where do we go to to know what God wants us to be? And I went to my favourite passage in Genesis 1. Actually, I have two favourites. It's Genesis 1 and Ephesians 1. So it's a little bit of a heart, uh, fight in my head to decide which one's my favourite. But within all that, God is with us and God will show us the way. So I wrote four sides of A4, which I don't particularly like doing. I think one has to be able to say it in one side of A4, or can one say it at all, um, as to why we should keep open and why we should be there and, and why we should care for all who are trapped in sex trafficking. So our values are courage, our values are approachability, our values are dedication, our values are empowerment, and our values are trust. So how could we possibly close with that? So we kept open. I had a, a huge list of behaviour that we needed to adhere to. Um, and we have. We've done it to the law. And to date, none of our women have died of COVID. None of our volunteers have died of COVID. And none of our staff have died of COVID. And we just thank God for that. We absolutely thank God for that. And to be able to have conversations with people, with women who thought that we would be closed. We landed up having to have a, have a gender-neutral food bank because we, we, were, we were open. We weren't doing food deliveries um, as a food bank exclusively. We were actually open as a site. And we found that there were very, very hungry men um, so we became a gender-neutral food bank for three months. Um, we were also travelling, trying to support our women who, who were in a process and exit strategy towards sex trafficking and were in the community. So we provided food for them and, as Tash says, all about our recovery programme and about trying to keep those who have been trapped in trauma begin to heal and begin to really experience what it means to be loved by God unconditionally. I mentioned earlier that we saw seven times increase of violence against women um, who were trapped in sex trafficking. I know that when sex buyers were four years old and they had train sets, it was never their intention to be involved in the sin that they were involved in. Something has gone deeply wrong. And we've really been able to up our numbers concerning supporting those who are sex buyers. Because nobody is outside the love of God. The Bible says abundantly clearly, there is no one that is righteous, no, not even one. And we all are a hideous cocktail of victim and perpetrator. Most of us are good because of lack of opportunity to be bad. And can I say that shame has no authority in our lives to separate us from the grace that God's got for us. There is no sin that I have done and you have done that can separate you from the love of God. And God is there. God is saying, come, come back to me and we will find out what it means to be loved by him. 
and what it means to know that unconditional love. And it is inspiring. It is inspiring to see sex buyers sign up online for mentoring out of that. It's inspiring to see our women come through and to receive the truth that God loves them and that there's exit for them. There's support to see them come out. So Azalea isn't Ibiza. Azalea isn't an island of wowness. We work, we work very closely with partners, with other agencies in Luton. I am passionate that we do not have the monopoly on the truth. It's only Jesus who has the monopoly on the truth. We need other people. So many of our women come to church online here. So many of our women go to other churches online and they've loved it. And thank you. Thank you, LCF, for having church online. It really has been the bread of life for so many of our women. It's been incredible to hear the stories and the testimonies. And that is one of the things that I love about COVID is that we don't know all the good that God is doing through it. And in this pre-life existence, I don't think we ever will. I don't think we'll ever know all the good that God is doing through it. And that's where God commands us to live by faith. And also, can I say, we do what we do for an audience of one. We do what we do because Jesus says that what we've done has been good and has pleased him, not for anything else. Our affirmation must come from Jesus alone. And that has to be the bread of life. That has to be the engine room, doesn't it? But we've seen so many women who, who before were sort of tinkering on the perimeter, who have come in, who now have phone call discipleship with some of our volunteers and are really receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. It's been incredible. I would love you to watch this film now of Ellie. Um, that's her pseudonym. She's an incredible woman who's, who we love to bits. And I hope one day that we can have a sense of equality with her. We are, as a team, we're in awe of her, uh, the way that she's grasped God. And we have all got so much to learn from her and her faith and her ability to believe that she is formed by Jesus and not by her past. I did um, social work years and years ago and I learnt there that we are who we are psychologically by our background and our environment. But Jesus says we are who we are because of our background, our environment and the way that we choose for that to shape us. And that's where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in because nothing will separate us from the love of God. We do not need to be on a conveyor belt of behaviour and response and that's what the cross has done in our lives. In Luton we have the privilege of knowing women who have been five, six years involved in sex trafficking and Jesus breaks those chains by the power of his Holy Spirit and says that you've got the power to change because of the cross. Isn't that incredible? Amen. I'll let you watch this film. I'm, I'm an intelligent single lady, but with a history of substance misuse. So not that you'd know, because it wasn't obvious. I could always present myself pretty well to the community and I had it together pretty much. Last October, from then, I was having the worst time of my life. I hated where I lived. I wasn't safe. I used to have all sorts of people in and out all the time, just in the hope I would feel safe at some point. 
my front door got kicked in and bodged back up again so many times that it didn't shut properly. And my landlord, who wasn't the best, I was a tenant in the private sector, he didn't seem to feel that security was his problem. I couldn't sleep or relax in safety. Eventually, I was in an incident where I got quite seriously attacked. I got mixed up with a, a couple of gangs, so it was a precarious situation and everyone seemed really shocked when it happened, but I can't see why, because when I look back, I can see it had all the markings of a dangerous situation waiting to happen. The police advised that I moved out of Dodge and that would mean I had to declare myself homeless and I was scared to leave my tenancy. I was staying with a friend actually for safety, but he was seriously unwell, so it was only going to be a temporary solution. I didn't know what to do. My key worker at Resolutions in the end went with me to Luton Borough Council and they were great. They really listened because I was really terrified of telling them about it. Because I think I'm an intelligent woman, but when I hear, was hearing myself talk about the fact that I was a drug addict who'd been cuckooed and attacked and kept getting caught up in drama that I had no control of. It just didn't sound like me. I was really scared of saying the wrong thing because when they accept your application, you're tied in with them. And I couldn't risk being housed somewhere nearby. But if you refuse their offers, then you're intentionally making yourself homeless and I'd be really stuck then. But Luton Council were really understanding they gave me some really good advice and they said I should present myself as homeless to a borough of my choice and they take me on so after a lot of thought I chose somewhere where I only knew two people I thought I'd be safe but not totally away from my support network and I assumed that once I did this I went to the council presenting myself as homeless that would be it. I'd be offered some temporary accommodation. <laughs> Was I wrong? I ended up having a very difficult conversation with my new council. They seemed to be judging me for my past traumatic experiences and my drug use. And so it got quite heated and I left still homeless and angry. I phoned victim support. And I didn't hold out much hope for anything, but after about three hours, I got a call back saying that I could have a room in a travel lodge on the outskirts of Luton. And I went. And then the next night I went back to my friends and... Well, I found out that he'd passed away and I'd only been gone one night. I do find it really hard to forgive myself for that. Not being with him. But I do think now that maybe he wanted to die alone and sort of held on for that. And I don't think he'd want me to blame myself. When I got those heavenly words that I could finally leave Dodge, a chance of a new life. 
I was placed in temporary hostel for seven days and I hated it but I was away from my practical problems I was in daily conversation with the local council with resolutions my victim support my drugs worker and with Azalea and they brought people over and made sure I had food and my belongings because and without them I wouldn't have managed because on the inside I was going insane with fear and loneliness and I had no money no transport hardly any of my stuff and nowhere to store anything but they were great and then after that I got offered a little studio flat in a really nice part of town and I took it this was all just before lockdown and Azalea prayed I'd get everything I needed and as it was coming in they helped me transport it and make the place homely they even brought all my meds over from the chemist for the first six weeks until I could get it transferred over to the new chemist and I just felt so overwhelmed with this flat and the help and the fact that I could shut my front door <laughs> meant oh meant the world um and then they would go for chats with me and walks and help me to see what was around me and really start to enjoy it and one of those chats gave me the confidence to apply for a course in the hope that I could actually have a future that's not the same or relapsing into my old really negative lifestyle my new council despite a rocky start have actually been brilliant their housing officers have really understood my situation and how important you know a home and my safety is and you know housing journey isn't over yet but they've been really great and Luton Borough Council was so fantastic they knew when I needed to get out they were amazing and really worked hard to get me there and get me to safety and giving me good advice so between them, the councils, Azalea, the police, resolutions and victim support, I, I wouldn't be where I am now. I'd still be that really unhappy, scared, drug-using, oppressed woman. And instead, I have a chance at a different future. I can hold my head high, my health is better, I have more confidence in my choices. They made me feel like I was worth something. I'm so grateful. Azalea we have Alpha and on Wednesday I had the privilege of being able to lead it and we had one of the best prayer meetings I've ever been to and we were crying out to God what's happening in India and that the faith that the women had we were just shouting at God not because he's deaf because he can hear the whisper but because we felt so strongly that God wanted to bring revival to India and that we have a God-given right to pray for the world, a God-given right to believe that miracles can happen in the valleys and that God can work all things for good and that his spirit is hovering over the water like in Genesis 1 and we just need to listen and watch and see what God is going to do and stand in faith. I love the fact you've got a well prayer meeting going on this week. I can't think of a decent reason not to be there. 
if our women who who have experiences that we can't imagine, they get tied to radiators and told to eat dog food by their perpetrators. If they have the capacity to pray and to sacrifice their feelings and pray for the needs of India, what excuse can I have that I can't be there? What excuse is there? Okay, I'm going to close in prayer. I cannot encourage you enough to believe the truth that God loves you and that he's with you and he will never separate you from the love of his son. You are very, very special to him and never ever let anyone tell you that you're not and that you don't matter to him. You do not need to be involved in sex trafficking to hear God's voice saying that to you this morning. He listens to you and he watches you and he's with us. And life is really hard, but it's so much harder without him. It is so much harder without him. Okay. Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much for the relationship that we have with you. And I thank you that our life will never be any better than what it is today. Today we know that we're dearly loved. Today we know that you've asked us to stay with you. And as the waters hover, as your spirit hovers over the waters, so we stay with you and wait and wait for that voice in our lives. Father, teach us how to pray. Teach me how to pray, Lord. Teach me to be like Alan and Kathy West, who knew how to pray and to care for Luton. Thank you that they found the cameras abhorrent, that they did it for an audience of one, Lord. Father, show us what you want us to do. Show us, Lord, what you want us to do in our lives so that your glory will come. We thank you so much for Luton. We thank you this is your place. And we stand in awe of the God who loves the poor and is always found with the poor. Reveal to us today how poor we are, Lord, and how much we need the riches of heaven in our lives. Just reveal, unpeel the poverty that is within our spirits, Lord, and reveal to us how much you care for us and that you're with us. And deliver us from the evil of thinking that we're victims. Show us, Lord, that nothing will separate us from the love of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.